ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. Welcome to Ignition, a radio show and podcast for the new evangelization. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald, and we want to launch your own efforts to explain the Catholic faith and to invite others to live it. Before we get into today's topic, we want you to know that we love listener feedback. I'm serious, we do. So if you've got questions about today's episode, if you've got ideas for future episodes, please contact us. Two easy ways you can do that. You can email us, ignition at sfcatholic.org. Again, ignition at sfcatholic.org. Or you can tweet at us, at sfdiocese, and use the hashtag ignition. Again, at sfdiocese and hashtag ignition if you if you tweet on Twitter. I'm in studio again today with Eric Gallagher. Hi, Eric. Hello. Um, we'll introduce ourselves more in a moment, just in case you haven't heard, tuned into ignition before. But today, Eric and I are going to be talking about... Um, basically how, you, how you'd how you grow and deepen your prayer life based on the counsel, the advice of one of the masters of the spiritual life. And no, I don't mean Eric or me. Um, St. Francis de Sales, um, 16th, 17th century bishop um, in uh, Switzerland and France who wrote the introduction to the devout life. So we're going to be talking about the introduction to the devout life today. If you're somebody who's praying or would like to pray more regularly, deep into your prayer life, this will be the episode for you. But before we get into that, a little bit more about who we are. Eric, would you mind introducing yourself, introducing yourself to the listeners in case they've never listened to Ignition or heard of Eric Gallagher before? Sure. Uh, I am the, the Director of Youth Discipleship and Evangelization here at the Diocese of Sioux Falls. Uh, I grew up in the diocese, grew up in Sisseton, South Dakota, went to school in, in Aberdeen at Northern, uh, got a bachelor's in music education. Music education. So I, I, I use that what quite a bit. What instrument did you play? <laughs> I like to tell people I majored in the triangle because I was a percussion <laughs> major. So I got a, a good public school education out of Northern States in the, in the triangle. No, as a percussion major, um, I wanted to do guitar, but they didn't have a guitar major. So I, oh, like, man. I think I, I kind of got there and didn't really know that. <laughs> so what? I, I, Talk about doing your due diligence for college there, Gallagher. My, my discernment process was <laughs> a little out of whack back then. Um, I'm married. I have four children. We live in Sioux Falls. Um, and... Yeah, that's me. There we go. I'm the director of adult discipleship and evangelization with the Diocese of Sioux Falls as well. I've been in that role since 2002, so just over 17 years. Been married for just over 20 years to Jermaine. We have five kids. We live uh, across the street in two houses south of the Gallaghers. So it's diocesan central on Churchill Avenue in Sioux Falls. Well, I don't know. There's two families within a couple houses. We live two houses closer to the Hy-Vee than you do. We're two houses closer to the parish than you are. So boom. <laughs> By the way, uh, so you majored in the, 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 the triangle, the Trinity, right? I mean, the three sides of the triangle, just like the Trinity. That's true. Yeah. Yes. Very theological. Yeah. <laughs> I try. That's, that's me putting my uh, doctorate in theology to uh, hard work right there, uh, Mr. Gallagher. So um, I actually, <laughs> I, I attended a master class. It was a two hour master class on the triangle. It, throughout my studies at Northern. Really? So it's, it's probably the most wasted two hours of my life. <laughs> I was going to say, how do you fill two hours talking about the triangle? No offense to that nice professor guy yes. who taught it. But. Yes. I'm sure he had a passion for the triangle. Oh, he did. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, in the 
previous episode of Ignition, we talked about St. Francis de Sales and his life, um, some of the themes um, that, that he addresses in his writings. One of the big takeaways to me was um, he really, especially in a revolutionary way for his time, um, talked about how the call to holiness is for everyone, including lay men and women in a particular way. Um, and, and we talked other aspects, but we, we promised that here in this episode, this this next episode, second episode um, with you on St. Francis de Sales, we're going to get into probably his most well-known book, The Introduction to the Devout Life. So I just want to tee this up for you, let you take it away. Um, tell us about the introduction to the devout life, what we need to know about it, how it can matter in our own lives. Yeah. So as we talked about in the last episode, the this is almost in a sense that the passing on of the the call to holiness from a religious to the layperson, and mm-hmm. so the the devout life introduction to devout life is really broken up into five different parts. And the the first is actually is kind of a defining of terms or like a, a common understanding of what is devotion. Okay. What is it? What does it look like? What does it smell like? What is it? How did? How do we know if it's devotion or not? Um, and that's, that's people who read that, that's like the engaging, like, yes, this is what I want. So like you explain the two different sides of this is what devotion is. This is what it isn't. And you're those who are, have encountered Christ or like are looking for that would say, yes, I want devotion more than anything. Um, and similarly to if you're, if you're married and you want to be devout to your husband or wife, like you, and you really want to be devout, then you could go through, well, here's what you do. Here's what you don't do. Like, yes, no, I really right. want this. When you're madly in love with them, you're like, yes, yep. I want this more than anything. Um, and then the other sections, he, he spends a great deal of time on prayer. Uh, and then, so it's kind of like, what does it mean to be holy? What does it mean to devout? And then prayer as like the forefront he was a whole process on how to be devout and, and what devotion looks like, how to get there. And then his core teachings are on prayer. And then kind of the final parts of the book are focused on virtue and temptation is kind of the, the opposites of how to grow in this and to avoid this. Uh, and then the final is he spends a lot of time examining your spiritual life, like how to go through. And he, he recommends like an annual evaluation where you really spend some time deeply examining how your spiritual life is going. Okay. So he, I mean, the the reality of the true devotion. This is it's kind of the he, he talks about devotion. Really, it's the book starts off by saying something like, "There is only one true devotion. You can't like sort of be in and sort of be out. Mm. Like you can't have one foot in the water and one foot not. If you're going to be true devotion, is all in. And I think that's it's a great message for anyone in the Christian life. Anyone who has is just getting started is just to recognize that you can't, you have to make a choice now to be all in. Um, and I, the, the phrase that, that I think I use most often is he, he talks about devotion, um, being done carefully, frequently, and promptly. So he uses okay. these three words. So if you're going to be devout, you have to do it carefully, frequently, and promptly. Uh, and really saying you have to practice it to the point where you perfect it. And so you have to you have to become perfectly devoted, where you can do it carefully, frequently, and promptly. And I often use an example of like a, a great quarterback, NFL quarterback, running dr- drills with the receivers and preparing for like the opposition, where you're going to run drills over and over and over again. You're going to plan for different situations. You're going to execute in different ways. And this is what separates those great quarterbacks from other ones: is they've they've went through this enough in their mind that when something happens that might throw them off they can respond frequently, carefully, and promptly. Gotcha. So that's that's really his method is 
we need to like in basketball we need to make the, we need to make the hoop larger so that we can we can make it more easily each time so okay. we need to be more familiar with it where it's like the Michael Jordan thing where it's it seemed like the the hoop was three times wider right. than it is for everyone else like right. how can he make it so much but that's really the the way that he goes about devotion is just saying devotion is um even um it's it's above just like love like because love you can do um it's it's like a perfection of love basically a perfection of charity because it's it's the the totally faithfully love which is i'm going to do this but i'm going to do it always and i'm not just going to do it always i'm going to do it carefully and i'm going to do it with great like tenderness and and joy and and response and i'm i'm going to be able to respond quickly to situations where something bad's not going to happen in my faith and then i like get crushed for the next week like i want to get to the point where if something attacks me i can get up fast and and respond appropriately so what you're saying here it's, it's real, i'm realize why well, i realized as you went through the five parts so devotion is not the same as prayer i mean i think oftentimes when, when um People say, have you, have you, I think especially maybe Protestants, have you said your devotions or your daily devotions or whatever? That, that usually means prayer, but the way that Francis is using devotion, being devoted, means something else then. Yeah, he, I mean, he really goes through a, a, a practice, like an element of, I mean, he actually says, genuine living devotion, he says, presupposes love of God. And so it, it is therefore actual or true love of God. Like I... I choose to love God, but I, I chose to love him even before my love was expected. So in this situation where I'm tempted, in this situation where I know it's going to be difficult, where I know I can expect that this is going to happen in my life, I chose before it even happens that I would respond with love to God. So it is, it's, it's more of a, an act or a, a commitment of a series of acts over the, seri- over the time of my life. Okay. I'm going to do this, but I'm going to do it every day gotcha. and I'm going to, I'm going to do it. I'm choosing to do that now, knowing that it's going to require more of me later. And it's, I mean, it's really a, a marital response when you right. say I do. Right. And, and that's, it's the same thing, <clears throat> but it, you need to, th- that has to be practice in order to do it more perfectly. Okay. So, there, so you, yeah, you you said that a couple of times too. Do it. So there is a, like you said, it's a series of actions throughout your entire life. So devotion here, I think sometimes when I think um, my devotion or whatever, it's more like a state that I'm in. But, but for Francis, there's action involved in my devotion. Yeah. He says, he says, good people who have not yet attained to devotion fly toward God by their good works, but do so infrequently, slowly, and awkwardly. So you can imagine people who are trying, like mm-hmm. they're going to get tripped up by things and mm-hmm. they, they're the ones who might struggle with like little addiction things or like tendency, like the stuff where when you, someone who's really devout, Lent is like not necessary for the, for the practice of like getting through things right. like that. Those who are not devout really utilize giving up things for Lent to like ensure that they're not like committed to this thing. Like right. a devout person really knows that they're not, and they can still give up things for the sake and, and for repentance and things like that. But we tend to see Lent as this time to like, or I know I do. I tend to give up things really just to kind of prove to myself that I'm not overly committed to that over sure. God. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, and that, and that it's just, it, if I were devout, like that wouldn't be a question like, and, and really Lent kind of affirms that for me where I can say, yeah, I, 
yes, this is something I do just for fun that I enjoy. It's part of living life a little bit. And so I, I know now after going through Lent and it not really being a problem that this isn't hindering my devotion towards God. Hmm. So this is all what we do devotion. This is all what he talks about in the first part of the book then. Would that be right? Or yeah. Is this and, he, throughout? and he goes, he goes through really um, how to, how to get to that point of devotion. Um, he talks about these two purgations. And I think that's the, the core of like how to get started is he, he emphasizes these two purgations and this is with the other doctors, other writers of the church, they go through the, the different stages of the interior life. His would be a focus on these purgations. Um, and so it, the main part of the book that I think people tend to overlook because there's so much other like practical, like easy step, steps to do, the purgations are a much heavier way to kind of even say before you can even become devout to grow in devotion, you have to go through this. Um, and the first purgation is... Is so a purga- what, what is a purgation? Before you talk about the, his two, what's a purgation? So to to get rid of, to be rid of something, to be purified of something, okay. um, to be free of something, and a purgation. So the first purgation would be kind of a, a full cleansing of of the soul, basically, or a full cleansing of your spiritual life, and it's it's confession, but it's like it's a good confession, a full confession. And he has a whole process for laying out how to do that, where you do a good examination. Um, you ha- he goes through these different meditations that help kind of draw out um, an, an understanding of how bad sin and how God is. In fact, one of the things he says, um, as you go through this first purgation, keep in mind that by sin you have lost God's grace, given up your place in paradise, chosen the eternal pains of hell, rejected God's eternal love. Like, so there's some that Teresa of Avila. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, this oh, is where you're at. Yes. Oh my God. Like it really in the, in the first purgation, what he, what he strives to have you do is to separate rather than sin kind of feeling like gray. Like I, there, I sin, but it's because I felt like it was a good thing at the time rather than keeping it in that gray area, he tries to make it very black and white. Mm. No, sin is horrible and God is good. And so you have to absolutely reject sin. And then that follows through. He has a whole process of, of going and making this confession of your whole self. And then there's this declaration that you make at the end of it that basically kind of puts your foot in the ground and says, I'm, I'm not going back. I'm, I'm never gotcha. going to choose a, especially a mortal sin again in my life. Um, and then once you get through that, then he, he talks about the second purgation. The next step is to to go through a purgation of an affection for sin. Okay. So, and that that's basically saying, um, I want to get to the point where I don't even like want to sin. Like, I don't even want there to ever be a point where I'm even tempted to sin. I don't because want to I, want to. Yes. I don't want to want to sin. Um, and, and all these different, and you can do that by... <clears throat> by going through these different, by basically practicing devotion. And so he goes through and, and he has, again, meditations that you can, you can pray with. Um, but the goal, the, the practice from there is to get to a point where if you, you, you don't necessarily sin, but when you do, you're, you're run into the confessional because you have like done, done the almighty damage. Like you actually, you begin to actualize in your heart, like what has happened. Right. And so you have to, we have to practice an understanding of that and, and grow in, in that over time. And then, so the second purgation, he gives all kinds of ways to, to go about that. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Ignition, a broadcast of the New Evangelization. I'm Dr. Chris Bergwald. I'm talking today with Eric Gallagher about St. Francis de Sales' spiritual classic 
classic, the introduction to the, dev- the devout life. And we were just talking about the two purgations that he talks about in the book. Uh, the first, for the purgation from mortal sin. Um, and now the second one, you were just speaking about, Eric, the purgation from the affection for sin or from the desire to sin. So that second purgation, we, we're purged from, we, we don't want to want... Yes. Um, right now, I oftentimes <laughs> want to sin. I want to get to the point where I don't even want to want to sin. Yeah. If you if you know in your heart that like if something's pulling pulling at you, saying I know that this is not what God wants of me, you want to get to the point where you're you reject that frequently, carefully, promptly. Okay. Like you you know it's and you recognize it and you say no. And it's like, it's the football quarterback thing again. Like, I'm not going to do that because I know the safety is going to be out there. And yep. like, he pulls this trick all the time. Yep. And so, no, I know I'm not going to do that. With with the first purgation, you talked about um, general confession or what, what you, what, you said something about, uh, like, it's not just going, bless me, Father, for I've sinned. It's been X weeks or months since my last confession. Yeah, he, I mean, he talks about the confession of your whole <clears throat> life. And so this would be, it's, it's intended to kind of be a one and done deal. Okay. Um, and... And so you'd go through that. And so it's not always the case. He, he doesn't say it like that. Um, he, he does lay it out as just a, a careful reflection of, of, of submitting everything. Like we just, okay. we need to be done with the, with mortal sin. Um, and kind of, I, if there's anything like add to it, just something that's profound that I think he, he's taught me, it's, he talks about going to confession and not and a confession of your whole self, not just your sins. So he actually encourages when you go to confession, confess your sins, but also confess the motive of your sins. Mm. So you're not just saying, here's what I, what I've done. You're saying, here's who I am. Mm. And your confession is more of a confession of yourself rather than just the stuff. Gotcha. Gotcha. So with, with that general confession, is that something where you literally do it in the sacrament of reconciliation? You probably make an appointment or do it with your spiritual director if you have one, but is that something where it's, or is it more something that you just do on your own in prayer time? No, I, yeah, I think it's something that you, what I would recommend people do if you're going through it, I would, I would go through, read it carefully and actually go through the steps he gives you and then set up a time to go to confession. Gotcha. Okay. Um, cause this is not a two minute confession on a Saturday yeah. afternoon. Well, and, and maybe that's why some people on Saturday afternoons take so long is because they're doing this, <laughs> this confession. I don't know. There we go. So we'll, we'll hope it's that and there we'll we just, go. we won't get so cranky about it when we're waiting there, in line. <laughs> it's one more sin for us to confess when we get in there. <laughs> Okay, so, and then, you, again, you were talking about the second purgation from the affection for sin. Um, we've got about nine minutes left. What else What else is important for us to know? So, on the, on the, sec- the second um, purgation, he, he goes to these three areas, and I, I, to highlight those three areas, he basically says, we want to be purged of the affection for venial sin, so even like the littlest things. So, the first purgation we've kind of covered, we, we don't want mortal sin now from now, and we know we never want to do that. But now, we don't even want an affection for venial sin. Um he talks about to be purged of this affection for useless and dangerous things. And I hinted mm, at that in the last yeah. Some people listen, I get it. He, useless things. And I, I, I love his analogy because he said it's, it's like an adult. So imagine a child chasing a butterfly and it's cute and fun to watch. But if you watch a grown man chasing a butterfly... <laughs> Oh, yeah, weird. So this, that's the sort of analogies that he likes to use where okay. he's, it just kind of hits you and you say, yeah, it makes sense. And it, it kind of joyfully allows you to move forward. You're like, yeah, I can like stop playing video games or like, yeah, I can, I can stop doing this or this or this. Like I really need to kind of grow up. And mm-hmm. so he just has these, these good analogies. Um, 
And then the the third affection that he says is to be purged of the affection for evil inclinations. And that covers things like grief and anger, um, different defects or failings that we might have within our spiritual life where we just have these tendencies to like gossip or like these are things that are, they maybe initially they aren't like evil, but they're things that lead us into evil. So we could be angry, but we can't let that anger turn into sin. Sure. And so we actually want to be free from anger as well and to focus on other like virtuous things rather as opposed to anger. So those are the, those are the three different things that he would say we need to focus on. Um, and again, he, he paints these little pictures just to kind of, throughout the introduction, he just gives these great analogies that help you say like, you're right. It's like, I just right. got to get rid of this. And it, it's, again, it's a helpful black and white thing where you might, you might find an excuse for these things until you kind of, it's painted for you a little bit differently. And then you're like, I never thought of that way before. So that's really, I think, where his giftedness as a teacher really comes in is to kind of help us see things in a different light that resonate well with us. So I want to go to the second one because that I'm, I'm intrigued by that use to be free from uh, the desire affection for use, useless and dangerous things. Um, what does he mean by useless in such a way that I'm guessing he does? It's okay to have leisure. It's okay to relax and so on. Uh, where's what's the line between that and useless and dangerous things? Yeah, I, I think it's because you you have a Netflix subscription. I think I do, and I I mean I you had to have talked about this in another podcast, but the there is like like giving up ice cream for Lent or like coffee sure. for Lent. Like these are the little pleasures of life. Like those, those are not necessarily if they're not useless, if they're, there's actually joy that's being brought into your right. life through them. Useless things would be, like, I, I mean, many homilies I've heard about just scrolling through Facebook right. over and over and like, and you just, you get done and you actually feel like kind of gross after you're done. You're like, Empty. I just wasted half yeah. an hour of my time. Yeah. So I, I think that balance is really important. And, and again, it, it's something where like if someone saw you doing it or saw in the way that you lived your life and you were like this man chasing a butterfly, <laughs> like and you, it's, it just wouldn't make much sense. Like you would, you would understand that there's something interiorly wrong or like disordered within that man that was doing that. Um, so no offense to any men who have been out chasing butterflies. <laughs> if you really found joy in it, yes. <laughs> I, you know, I, I'm struck by that, Eric, because um, as we're recording this, it was just this last weekend we heard about in the gospel reading the parable, the parable of the prodigal son. And I was struck um, in mass how um, Jesus is telling this story and he says that the young man um, had squanders inheritance on a life of dissipation. So dissipation, just sort of wasteful, wastefulness, wasting it. Um, and I was, what, what occurred to me is, you know, I mean, in the context of the story, um, he was involved in all sorts of immoral things, but I think for many of us today, maybe we're not drinking, maybe we're not engaging in all sorts of sexual immorality, but we, we dissipate our lives by the Facebook scroll or the social media scroll or the, the thing. Yeah. When you're done, you said you feel gross or feel like, well, empty because that was a complete waste of time that I got no joy out of. That's the sort of affection that Francis is saying we need to be purged from. Yeah. And I think we could even turn it around and look at people who are like super intentional with their time and striving to do everything. But is it really affecting anything? Yeah. Are you actually, so are you not drinking coffee and then just enjoying life a little Right. <laughs> like, right. Perhaps you could look at the, all these things that you think you're doing that are like bringing like, 
it's just causing you more frustration. Like we have this, we want to go out and, and change the world, but no one's listening. And you do that for 10 years and you, you might have to look at that yep. and, and really evaluate it because is it, is it useless time? Like, could you be doing more? Is it more effective to do things differently? So it's, it's not just criticizing the bad things. Like it's just really effectiveness with your own time. So we're running out of time. Speaking of time, <laughs> we only have about three minutes left in this episode. Uh, Eric, any, anything else that we need to know from the introduction to the Vault Life by St. Francis de Sales? Yeah, I, I mean, I would focus, if as you go through it, say, there's tons of stuff on virtue, temptation. There's a lot of little practical things. I think if, if we're going to spend time doing anything else, I, I think it's focusing on his recommendations for prayer are really important. He gives okay. a really great... Um, section on meditation, a shorter method of meditation where he actually talks about what to do with like that holy hour. Mm. Um, he doesn't really say how often you need to do a holy hour or anything like that, but he does talk about like the need um, for time for intentional meditation. Then he actually has a process for what to do at that time. So very helpful to those. You just look in the book for the short method of meditation. And then he talks about all these different kinds of prayers. He, he says you cannot neglect a morning prayer of some sort, and he gives he gives structure for that. Um, he talks about an evening prayer and and do an examination of conscience at night. Um, and it's the thing that's really attractive to me again finding these ways to like breathe um, prayer within the different moments. Mm. He talks about like a spiritual retreat. What what are you going to do when? Um, well, he talks about your morning prayer, collecting all this oil into a vase and like mm. cherishing it throughout the day. And at mm-hmm. times you have to do things and you bump into those things mm. and then you spill a little bit of the oil. Yep. He said, what you have to learn to do is when you bump into those things, how can you step back in order to protect the graces that God has given you in that prayer? And gotcha. so a spiritual retreat is like, okay, that thing's happening with my, with my friend again, or my boss is doing this. And like, that's the points where I feel like I'm losing what mm-hmm. God has given me. How can I retreat back and, and receive more? Um, and he's really good on prayers of aspiration, um, or he, like he calls them ejaculatory prayers. Mm-hmm. Like just throughout the day, can we just like sing praises to God and like thank Him for things? Or can we, in every single moment of the day, just give gratitude and thanks? What's an example of an aspirational prayer? Um, it's I mean, going through some of the readings of like Liturgy of the Hours where it's like wind and storm, bless the Lord. Like yeah. you, yeah. you just meet people, you see something and you, you actually look up and thank God. Um, I mean, my prayer of aspiration is every day when I get out of my car and walk into the building, I look up at the cathedral. Like it, there's just this prayer that arises in me where like, I don't even want to like look at my phone in between that walk mm. anymore because I've just trained myself to, to give thanks to God during that time. I thought that happened when you walked by my office. That's, yeah. <laughs> I think it's time to be done. <laughs> uh, almost. Uh, it, so let me just ask you this real quickly. Um, so it, it's a bigger book. So uh, any, like, this is unfair to you, but 20 seconds, Eric, how would you recommend somebody? Is it a couple pages a day? Is it a chapter that you read at a time? How do we read it? Yeah, there's, I, I would read it a few pages at a time, and then there's a section of meditations that is really the core, and I would take time to pray through those meditations. It's definitely not a book to just go through. There is a little book called The Golden Councils that I would recommend to check out that have little nuggets of his teaching if you're looking for something to get started. Great. That's St. Francis de Sales, The Introduction to the Devout Life. Thanks, Eric. Thank you. And that will wrap up this episode of Ignition. Again, you can email us, ignition at sfcatholic.org, or tweet us at sfdiocese and use the hashtag ignition with any thoughts, questions, or ideas for future episodes. And until next time, dear listeners, may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
Amen.